Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn. And today, more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. What if we reduce, reuse, and recycle? What if we do the things that really matter? Just imagine the positive environmental change we could create in our communities. Just imagine how we can change our lives and our environment forever. At Cox, we're not just imagining positive environmental change. We're making it happen. We can do the things that really matter. It's our world. Let's talk a little bit about um, your investments in STEAM education. Um, you know, you're really trying, again, a ripple effect to promote self-sufficiency through community-based organizations. So can you talk about why is STEAM important? How are you, again, energizing local groups to truly um, bring true impact um, in local communities? Yeah, this has been... Um an exciting change for us as well. Um, when I started, one of the things um, Bob challenged our, our team to do was to really help refine what we wanted the community agenda to be, to take all of this great work that had happened over so many years in the community space and make sure it was really strategically linked to purpose. And when we started by doing two big things. One was an overview of where we have strengths. And we talked a lot about those around innovation. We're really a technology company when it comes down to it. And then we did a lot of employee listening. How do the employees want to engage with purpose? Um, And how do they want to engage with sort of volunteerism and community partnerships? And what we heard over and over is that they really wanted to know how their time spent could help change some of these big world problems. And they were really excited about solutions um, that, as they said, were not band-aids, that were really getting to the underlying systemic challenges our communities were serving. And so, you know, boiling down 18 months into 30 seconds, where we landed was this um, focus for our community work on solving environmental and STEAM challenges for underserved communities. And it was really with this premise that this could break down barriers, that it could really solve some of the larger problems um, community members might feel if they had access to skills training, to job creation, to um, all the things that fall under STEAM. And if you have a career path, you have a lot of other access as well. So that, you know, is really all that feedback that led us to this focus. Um, And we are still growing. We are still learning our way here, but there's been a couple of exciting things that we've done with We've launched a national partnership with Girls Inc. uh, focus on uh, educating and providing STEAM resources across the country. And that takes a lot of forms. Sometimes it is, um, you know, career days where girls all over the country can hear from some of our STEAM women technology leaders. Um, Sometimes it is market days where the girls go for a week of entrepreneurship uh, and business camp and then build business cases and products and come, come sell them when we're in person um, on Cox campus. Um, and, and in our 
chat and the, the markets and the chapters, it comes to life in, in lots of different ways. So we're excited about that partnership. Another one that's been really great has been with the Boys and Girls Club. We, we have had a really long-term relationship between our Cox Communication Division and the Boys and Girls Clubs. And one of the things they have done over the years is fund technology centers at over 100 Boys and Girls Club um, locations where we provide the internet access as well as the computers and even robotics and code training. We train the center staff on how to use all the resources so that when the kids are there after school, they not only have a great place to get their schoolwork done, but they have a really great place to engage in STEAM and technology. Um, so just a couple of examples of how it's coming to life as we explore this space. Within the Boys and Girls Clubs, there are other companies that are also helping to support these technology centers. So I'm curious as to um, how you work with others. And again, you've got this ripple effect. So it seems that you will be very open to it. But I think that um, we are, you know, we often talk to companies who go, no, 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 I want to own it. And so can you share a little insights into how you share versus own well, one one of the issues um, that we're trying to solve in this whole STEAM space, of course, is just this terrible gap, uh, this di digital learning gap, right? And, which has been exacerbated by the pandemic, where you're actually seeing individuals who are now trying to school from home, and either they don't have internet service or not an internet service that isn't good enough for them to be able to stream and, and that type of thing. So it's even causing a greater divide in that in that space. So one thing I'll share before I talk about an announcement we made last week, which was really exciting, was um, Cox, uh, years ago, pioneered a program called Connect to Compete. And this program was designed to help bridge that digital divide. And what it does is identifies individuals who are on the free or reduced lunch program at school and it offers them um, not only a very low-cost internet service, under $10 a month, but also provides training, um, recycled uh, technology and equipment, uh, and even training for parents so that the households can, uh, can learn more about um, how the internet works and just what, a, what an advantage, advantage it is to, to, to a household. So that was actually then adopted by the whole cable industry. So um, Comcast and, and some of the other uh, sister organizations that we have have created their own programs that, that tackle this same issue. So it's one of the ways we have shared. We, we developed that and um, Comcast's program is called Internet Essentials. It's basically the same type of program that they offer in their markets. But just last week, um, Cox Communications uh, President and CEO, Pat Esser, he announced the launch of a new Cox Cares Act Solutions for Education. And this is a $60 million commitment over the next year, specifically to closing that digital learning gap through a partnership with cities and school districts counties, and community-based organizations, all, all with the single goal of helping get families connected. We're super excited about that. And, um, and we're, we're really, and of course, we're working with those 
communities where where we have a presence. But we're hoping once again that this will also have a ripple effect, and that uh, some of our peers out there will will help us with this because it really we you know we stand the chance of of a of a generation of kids who who fall behind, and it will be very difficult for them to catch up unless we provide them the tools they need. And as an internet provider, we feel that we have a responsibility in helping solve for this. Again, you can't solve these problems alone. So it's a tremendous thoughtfulness um, that allows companies to share and scale. So kudos to you. I'm so excited. You've talked about... um, Atlanta and how Atlanta is so important. It's your home. And obviously, um, in the last few months, there's been tremendous, um, you know, racial injustice uh, situations as in Atlanta, but in other cities. And I know that Alex released a very compelling statement um, renouncing racism and hate. And you took a variety of, you know, very candid um, internal actions, um, introspection, as well as some external actions. Can you talk about what you did and how it made both of you feel as, you know, colleagues within Cox? Yeah, um, thanks. It's, you know, it's been, I think, a trying year for everyone. I think what you continue to hear is um, how overwhelmed people tend to feel right now. Um, and I think one of the things that I found um, most um, sort of uplifting was how much across across the company people joined together to really start thinking about what we can do to move forward in a positive way. So one of the things, um, Alex's statement is, is public, of course, but what I was really pleased to see is the work that happened behind the scenes. So almost immediately, um, a task force of I think about 40 or 50 um, employees was pulled together to bring a cross-divisional, um, cross-expertise um, folks together to really think about how are all of the different, what are all the different ways that we can be a part of solutions together. Um, and so that task force, which we internally call the Actions Speak Working Group, um, still meets. Uh, we were meeting multiple times a week. Now we meet about once a week. Um, to really come together around the programs around um, that we're going to bring to life. So it, it starts with listening to the employees, which we did. We held um, so many listening sessions for weeks at a time to really understand how our employees were feeling, um, to understand what support they needed, and what actions they expected the company to take in response. Uh, and we are going through that list one at a time and, and answering the call to action for each of them. So, for example, um, our employees were pretty loud and clear about the role for voter participation. Uh, And we already had a lot in the works that we talked about earlier, but it was a great opportunity to make sure our employees knew we heard them, um, that we were partnering with Rock the Vote to provide voter registration and information and access. We provided the paid time off to vote. And then we took it a step further because our employees had so much um, energy and enthusiasm and creativity that we also took that campaign public to our customers. So we used all of the assets we had developed for our employees with Rock Vote 
to share on our Auto Trader and Chloe Blue Book websites. Those have had close to a million impressions, so it helps our customers figure out their own voter registration information. Um, and we're sharing it through the program. Uh, Bob just talked about Connect to Compete, so that all of those users who may not have had the resources because they lacked internet connectivity now can register to vote as well. So what's interesting is that working group continues to innovate, to think outside the box and to bring in all of these brains. It's interesting, it's sort of Alex's vision come to life. All of these brains around the table to think about how else we can participate in solving for all of these inequities. Um, and, you know, so I, I was feeling a lot of, to answer your question, a lot of hope and energy. We also... Um, as you may know, Alex dedicated a million dollars to give to social justice and civil rights organizations. Um, rather than make that decision on where the money should go um, as the, the philanthropic arm of, of the business uh, with my team, we used the polling of our employees to ask them what, what changes they want to see, what kind of groups did they want that money to go to, what focus did they want those groups to have, and that really informed our decision on how to give the money away. So it's for me, been very reassuring to see this top-level leadership and commitment partnered with hearing the voice of the employee and answering to where they're feeling the need is, is the strongest. And, and Bob, how did you feel? Well, just an, an overwhelming sense of, of pride and how the company um, during during this difficult time, uh, you know, has really, really stepped up. And, and not surprising, you know, I... Mari's been here three years now or so, working on four, I think. <laughs> I've been here 18. Uh, so for me, it was more of a, a confirmation. And when, when I saw the, the company react the way it did, for me, it was more like, well, of course, that's how we're going to react because that's who we are. I mean, that's, that's the type of company that we would and, and what I would expect as someone who's worked for this uh this very generous and very thoughtful company for for all these years so it it um, kind of reaffirmed my commitment to uh to the organization um for what it stands for what it believes let's pause for a moment and i'd like to pivot to a new small segment called in the know In the know this week, I suggest that you take a deep dive into the 2021 rankings of America's most just companies featuring the Forbes Just 100 and industry leader lists. You can find this at justcapital.com. Microsoft tops the list for the third year in a row, followed by NVIDIA, Apple, Intel, and Alphabet. J.P. Morgan Chase and AT&T are new to the top 100, and the full Just 100 features 38 new companies. I know when we talk to clients, they are very proud of making those lists because Just Capital is looking at stakeholder-based capitalism, not just shareholders. It's a fascinating read, and I know you'll learn a lot from it. Now back to Cox. 
good to know um, you, you've talked so many wonderful, you shared insights and talked about the ripple effect and sharing and scaling. Um, if you're talking to, you're at some conference and you're going to meet um, not a privately held company, a publicly held company, but from what you know and what you've learned uh, from your incredible purpose and your principles and values, what three insights, and I might get six because I might get three from Bob and three from Mari. So um, would you like to share with them as they, they're on their journey to identify and then really embed their purpose in their organization? So I think we learn through this process that your purpose really lives within your people. And it's really just a matter of identifying it, giving it a name and then extracting it. And, and we found storytelling to be the most effective way to do that. Um, the second thing is if your purpose isn't genuine or even more importantly, accurate, I think your employees won't believe it and they will spew it out. They know, they know if the purpose is on point because they're living it every day. So creating a purpose, while while it should be aspirational, if it's too much of a leap, or if it doesn't feel much like like the company that you're working in, it won't stick. I, I think Bob's spot on. What I would add is that it it needs to be uniquely you. And I think Bob's right that employees will see through it. It also needs to be where you are, have a right to have a seat at the table. Otherwise, it, it sort of comes and goes with leadership. And rather than sort of being part of the core DNA that employees can iterate on and build on and that can grow and innovate over time, um, it's part of why we have this focus on STEAM and environment when it comes to our corporate responsibility programs. We have strength and expertise and knowledge there. And I think when you play to that, your employees also understand how their day-to-day work can influence um, and be a part of that change. And it, it really becomes a really nice match. The other piece I would share is that you have to find ways to share and invite others along. Part of knowing where you're strong also means that you know where you need support to fill out the full suite of solutions. These really big problems will not get solved by one player, whether it is one company or one government entity or one community partner. Um, So I think that that really comfortable, transparent sharing will allow others to join you and have a seat at the table with you to find those solutions. Um, And we're not going to get anywhere in terms of systemic change if we're all doing this by ourselves. I'm curious, Mari, when you say, Comfortable, transparent, and sharing. What does comfortable mean in that context? Yeah, for me, it means that you have to have some trust to have candid conversations, both internally, but also externally. Picking really great partners, whether it's the nonprofit partners or other corporations, where you acknowledge what you can do best and also where they are strong. We never, for example, want to tell our nonprofit partners how to operate or the best way to solve their problems. We want them to bring them to us so that we can iterate together on where we can be of most use. 
Ah, uh, what a great partner. So, gosh, I hate to end this, but I'm going to have to. Um, but maybe we'll we'll come back in six months and see how you're progressing in so many of these areas. But I always like to give my guests the last word. So what haven't we asked? I, I think you, you've asked it all, Carol. What I would just say is thank you for the time and the invitation to share. The more we do this, the more we can join others. Um, so I'm eager to hear what other great ideas um, you come up with through your podcast with other companies so that we can join forces. <laughs> okay, that would be great. And Bob? Uh, you know, you're a great interviewer. So you've asked a lot of great questions. Um, what I will do is I'll pile on from what Mari said and, and really just thank you for creating a platform for, for companies and individuals to share these, these purpose journeys and these purpose stories. And, and what we know from Edelman's most recent research, you know, people are looking to businesses to help solve some of these systemic issues more than they are governments. That's for You know, we really have an opportunity to take that mantle of responsibility and using our using business uh, and all, all that we bring to bear um, to help solve some of these things. So we're in a wonderful position to help drive change. And, and I hope that, uh, that others can join us in, in helping do that. So, so it sounds like you're open for listeners to reach out to you and perhaps ask some questions. Absolutely, of course. And, and let me ask one other thing, because I don't think we spent enough time on it. And it has to do with your new businesses, your clean tech, your clean energy, your sustainable food and, and agriculture, because those are bottom line, profitable, profit-seeking businesses where you've taken your purpose and a sustainability lens and a community lens, and you're bringing it right into the center of idea creation, value creation, and also solving. It's like a win for the business and a win for society. So before I let both of you go, I would love you to touch on each give a story from one of those businesses about why um, you're leaning into them so strongly? Sure. I mean, I think one of the um, one of our big plays has been Bright Farms, which is a sustainable agriculture play. Um, so Bright Farms makes um, lettuces. They their model is to be in urban centers where you can have. Um, essentially very large greenhouses in an urban environment. So you are both reducing the amount of um, water it takes to grow. You're reducing any pesticide needs and fertilizer needs. You are shortening the growth time and you're shortening the um, time to market so, they, so that they don't, the vegetables don't have to travel as far and don't, can have a, you know, don't need um, all the, the chemicals to have a longer shelf life. So there's a whole lot of environmental value there. Uh, if you can do all of those things, there's also incredible cost value. Um, so you're able to see, you know, all those transportation costs, shelf life costs, lost product inventory, um, when it goes bad before it is sold, all comes at a cost. So these plays, you're right, Carol, to say they are sustainability plays, but they are also long-term business plays. Um, and, you know, Food is an easy way for each of us as a consumer to also see the value. We want our food to be fresher and healthier uh, and grown closer to home. So I think it's one of those that's really tangible for us to each understand as a consumer. 
I'm sure that you are also thinking about food deserts and that in the inner city and underserved communities, there is no, to get to a grocery store is a chore. And so um, is that also part of the, the thinking with Bright Farms? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Right now, it is still a growing business in terms of its reach and its locations. But you're exactly right, Carol. When we think about the long-term implications of um, making Bright Farms even bigger with even more locations, the solutions it can have in that space are, you know, to use your analogy, the ripple effect is sort of limitless. Um, so we're excited to see what can happen because if you can solve for the the food desert challenge, we can solve a lot of other underlying health needs as well. And Bob, can you give an example of one of these new ventures? Yeah, so we're uh, invested uh, in a company called Carbon Lighthouse. And they're a, a wonderful organization. Their tagline is profitable climate solutions. So they're not shy at all about what their intentions are. But, you know, they really believe that that businesses have everything right in front of them in order to solve some of the global emissions issues that we have, which 20% of global emissions come from non-residential buildings, right? So business buildings, commercial type buildings. And what they do is they re-engineer new ways uh, for businesses and buildings to become more efficient. And every, every building has an opportunity where this can be done. And we think there's huge a huge opportunity here to really get these businesses' houses in order uh, in order to just operate more efficiently. A little less sexy than some of the other things, but clearly something right in front of us and, and, and a huge opportunity. So in closing, Bob, um, what's it like to be Bob? And you wake up in the morning, you've been there 18 years, you know, Cox is huge now. But, you know, how do you how do you address that every single the next day? Bob, what's it like to be Bob? <laughs> yeah, what's it like to be Bob? <laughs> that, but more, I'm going to ask you, too, what's it like to be you? Listen, I, I feel really fortunate, really grateful, you know, to have, have landed at a company that really believes and really walks the talk. Right. I mean. I, I I feel fortunate because I feel like I've worked for one of the best public companies in, with, at Walt Disney World, and now I've worked for clearly the best private company out there with Fox. And and it has been so interesting and so exciting for me personally to see the changes and the shifts and the the, the responses to to the environment and how this company continues reinventing itself and really driving innovation and change uh, to really maintain relevancy uh, uh, going forward. And I have no doubt that this company is going to be around for many, many future generations because they always think this way. And it's just a, a real honor to be able to work here and work on some of these things that, that, that hopefully will have some lasting impact, uh, but doing our little bit to, uh, to help uh, put Cox on the map in, in terms of some of these things. So. Oh, it's more than a little bit. And Mari? Yeah, my... Um... My career's always been in the environmental space, so I'm personally very passionate about it. But what's changed for me recently, um, I now have two small kids, um, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And so when we talk, and both of them are asking some pretty tough questions because of how much, what they're exposed to right now. It's, a, it's been a, a tough year with a lot to explain. 
So when we talk about getting to work every day on changes that can be generational, um, it's just an incredible privilege to feel like I get so much license from a company to participate in big changes that I can see will have um, on the faces of my kids. Um, so that I realize every day is just sort of a, a remarkable benefit to have in a job. I want to thank both of you. This has been a fantastic conversation. You both talked about the businesses, the evolution, and your personal feelings that bring Cox's purpose to life. Because you're both empowered, empowering people today to build a better future for the next generation. And, you know, Maury, you talked about your young children and, and the world tomorrow. We all need to work on this. But you're doing it in profitable, exciting businesses as well as you're evolving your, you know, your core businesses. So I have to give you a I'm so thrilled we did this. Um, I've known Bob for a long time and I have seen the evolution. But um, I, I just trust our listeners are going to be wowed by this somewhat of a quiet company that's doing extraordinary things. So I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And then I want to ask our listeners, what is your purpose? Purpose.